Depression can leave a person feeling lonely, exhausted, and even ashamed. We need tools and support to distinguish normal sadness from the debilitating burden that depression can be. That's why Focus on the Family Canada created a free PDF booklet filled with professional advice, biblical insights, and resource suggestions that address depression. Download your free PDF booklet at focusonthefamily.ca slash depressionpdf. So I'd encourage you to ask the Lord today, how can you honor your earthly mother, whether she's alive or not, you can honor her today. Well, as we head into Mother's Day weekend, we have a thoughtful message for you from Liz Curtis Higgs. Thanks for joining us today. This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. That's right, John. Liz is going to give us a unique perspective on Mother's Day by sharing some fascinating details of a story many of us know quite well the first miracle of Jesus, Mm -hmm. the turning of water into wine. I think you'll be intrigued by the role Mary, the mother of Jesus, played in that situation. Liz Curtis Higgs is an award-winning author and speaker and is perhaps best known for her book series called The Bad Girls of the Bible. Uh, Liz serves as the Director of Spiritual Formation at Christ Church United Methodist in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, this message was recorded there at the church just last year for Mother's Day. Here now, Liz Curtis Higgs on today's episode of Focus on the Family. So blessed, so blessed. Interesting, though, this weekend to have Derby Day and Mother's Day right next to each other. I'm sure it must happen. I just can't remember the last time it did. Uh, And it just has really struck me how some things they have in common, other things not at all. But But we do, in both cases, we love roses, either Saturday or Sunday, roses work. Uh, Mother's Day or Derby Day, great excuse to wear a hat. Um, I'm wondering, I see at least one hat in the crowd today. I almost wore my hat. Um, Then I thought it would be distracting, and that's the last thing I want to do. However, we do want to point to Jesus up here, and and wow, did this hat point to Jesus. It had a feather that went straight up, but I was afraid you wouldn't pick up on that. the other, the other thing about Derby Day and Mother's Day, in both cases, the emotions run really high, at a fever pitch, really. Yesterday, you had great joy if you put money on Rich Strike, what a well-named horse, um, but you had sorrow if you bet on Summer is Tomorrow, and we should have known better because Summer is June 21st, it's not tomorrow, so we should have known. The Kentucky Derby, however, is nothing compared to the roller coaster ride wrapped around the word mother. Mother, it's a very complicated relationship. This woman who risked her life to give birth to you. Do you ever think about that? She risked her life. She did, and willingly and joyfully. And that wasn't the end of it. All through your life, she made one sacrifice after another to raise you. My mother's been gone 44 years. Um, Wow, I can't even believe that. And the memories I have are so vivid and unusual. It's the small things I remember. What you need to know about my mom is she was also an Elizabeth, like me, but everybody called her Betty. So it was appropriate every Friday she got her hair done at Betty's Beauty Parlor. And uh, in our little town, that was the beauty parlor. Every woman went there. They had a special appointed time. Once a week, you got your hair done. They sprayed it within an inch of its life. 
and it had to look good all week. So Friday afternoon, she was a million dollars. Sunday, it was still hanging in there for church, starting to look a little frumpy by Tuesday, but she would make it to the next Friday. Well, we had a mother-daughter pool party one May day, and we all got together. The moms went in the pool, and they played a game where they threw quarters in the water and encouraged the mothers, now reach down and get all the quarters for every one you get will have a little prize for your daughter. Oh, dear. There was mom with her Betty's beauty parlor bouffant. And I could see her face. She's looking at those quarters. A big sigh came out. I could even hear it from a distance. And down in the water she went. And I don't remember if she came up with any coins. I only remember being aware of how much she loved me. Well, having a mother is one thing. We're all pretty much in that boat. Being a mother is something else entirely. For every woman here, every woman here, the word mother has its own joys and its own sorrows. Um, We're just all so aware of it, my sisters, that if you have never married and you've now come of an age where it is unlikely you will ever have children, that weighs on your heart on Mother's Day. Or you may not be a mother because you're struggling with infertility, or you may have children but you don't have custody of them, or you may have a child who is waiting for you in heaven. Or you may have young children, as I see this little one running around in the back. (laughs) So fun. And your sanity is hanging on by a thread. We always think we're going to remember when we're mothers of littles what it's like, but then we get older and we forget, and we say foolish things like, oh, enjoy this time. (laughs) Why do they always look like they want to hit us for that swat? And you may have grown children, as I certainly do, but perhaps they're not in church today. Perhaps their lives have taken them to a far country. Just a quick word of encouragement. That would have been me. As far as my mother was concerned, I was a prodigal daughter. But I came back, Mom. She didn't live to see it, but God knew it was coming. Well, for all those reasons and more, Mother's Day is a a loaded term, and so we're going to dive in. We're going to talk about a woman in the Bible and her wonderful son, Jesus and his mother, when we're not going to celebrate a horse race or Mother's Day, actually, it's a different kind of celebration. Dearly beloved, we are gathered together here in the sight of God and in the face of this company of witnesses to behold a wedding. Now, not to worry if you paid no attention to whether you were sitting on the bride's side or the groom's side. They play no part, honestly, in this story. They're not even mentioned by name, but our hero is. And so our story begins on the third day. What a fabulous start. Such an auspicious beginning to this story because it hints at a miracle in the making. It points to a resurrection on the horizon. There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Oh, nice town, Cana. A village, actually, about half a day's walk from Nazareth, 
Mary and Jesus had lived there. And the mother of Jesus was invited. Jesus' mother was a guest, an invited guest to this wedding. Maybe these were some friends and relatives of her. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. They were also asked to come to the festivities, the wedding celebration. Well, that's not really a surprise, honestly, because weddings were the biggest feast anybody ever had in their town and in their own family's lifetime. The wedding feast was it. You saved up for years and prayed. You only had one daughter. <laughs> Just kidding. But you, you know, you really, you, oh, this was going to be expensive for sure. Very expensive. Because not only was like everybody in town invited, but the wedding feast lasted a week. A week, seven days. People would go to work in the morning and then come rolling back into the party about three or four in the afternoon and party all night. Get up, work the next day, come back. That's how it worked. They partied and partied and partied. And oh my goodness. People married as we do here, uh, late spring, early summer, so that it could be outdoors in pleasant weather. And the most important thing they served at this wedding was not the wedding cake. It was the wine. These people love their wine. The psalmist wrote about wine to gladden the human heart. And even the poor of the neighborhood who very seldom got to drink wine, they might stomp the grapes, but they didn't get to drink the wine. But when there was a wedding feast, they could have wine with everybody else. So imagine the drama that we come to in verse 3 when the wine gave out. All the wine was gone. Other translations say the wine failed. The wine was exhausted. Well, of course it was. Seven days, you'd be exhausted too. And the problem was running out of wine was a major social disaster. It would never be forgiven by the town if this family ran out of wine at the wedding. Literally, the whole party would have come to a stop. Everybody would have had their empty glasses going, more, more? What are you going to do? Well, as the host stands on the brink of embarrassment, Mary decided to do something. Of course she did. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. I love this. It's just a statement, but we all get what a typical mom move this really is. Mothers point out something that needs fixing and hope one of their adult children gets the hint and fixes it. That's what she's hoping will happen here. I mean, he's the savior. She's not going to tell him what to do, but she's going to make this beautiful suggestion. Wine they have not is the literal translation. A reminder that at this point, Mary is no longer the young virgin, meek and mild. Okay, she is now mature and self-assured. She is in her mid-40s, at least, with a son who's about 30. She's been with this young man a long time, and her faith has been honed by experience and by expectation. Absolutely nobody on the planet was more in anticipation of Jesus busting out and being Jesus. She is so ready because she was there. She was there when Gabriel came to her before she'd even conceived and said, your son will be great and will be called the son of the most high and of his kingdom there will be no end. So she has always known her son was going to be special. Of course, every mother thinks her son is special. <laughs> but Mary had a real reason to with that kind of proclamation. 
Just imagine how much she longed for everyone else to see what an amazing boy she had given birth to. So here's her chance to help him shine. Just a little nudge. They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, so he did hear her. Oh, he picked right up on it. But he said, woman, which sounds a little sharp, unless you understand the word woman was a respectful form of address back then. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. When people violate God's word on finances, in due course, they will suffer the consequences. However, for those who have followed biblical financial principles over the last several years, they will not be concerned about high interest rates as they have little or no debt. These comments are consistent with what Jesus said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus continues, But everyone who hears these words of mine but does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Unfortunately, because of higher interest rates, a lot of people will lose their homes, and I am concerned for these people. To learn more, go to copelandfinancialministries.org. Do you worry about tomorrow? Does the future feel uncertain? Is the past too painful to bear? Focus on the Family Canada is here to help, so you never have to walk alone. Every morning, our staff lift up your prayer requests. If your burdens are too much to carry on your own, you can request a free, one-time call with one of our counselors at focusonthefamily.ca today. That's focusonthefamily.ca. We're here to help. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Now, what comes next, though, might be hard to hear. What concern is that to you and to me? Why did you involve me? Is that any business of yours or of mine, translations say? So here's where we need the audio Bible narrated by God so we're sure it's right. Because... How did Jesus say these words? We don't know how he said them. His tone, his attitude, his mood. Was he frustrated with her or was he scolding her or was he speaking gently to her? I don't know. I don't know. Just note this. Mary had not actually asked him to do anything about the wine, right? She didn't ask him to do anything, but Jesus knew her heart. He knew her thoughts. He knew her intentions. He knew she was coaxing him to perform. Any mothers here get that? Yeah, been there, done that. Don't look at me, Matt. I'm not looking. But I know I've done that to you. I know I have. He says to her, my hour has not yet come. The time for me to show who I really am isn't here yet. My time to act and to be revealed has not yet come. Literally, in the Greek, it means the hour of me is not here. Now, that might have been the end of it, except Mary is, above all, a mother. And so she's going to play the mother card because she's thinking to herself, he didn't say no. 
because he didn't, right? He didn't actually say no. <laughs> so she does a little end run, and his mother said to the servants, she went ahead anyway and said, do whatever he tells you. Whatever he may say to you, do. It's actually great advice for all of us. Whatever God says to you, do. Whatever he says, whatever he tells you, do. Now, if this were a TV show, there'd be a commercial break right here. You'd be left hanging. What happens next? But this is live. <laughs> so we can go right on and find out what happens. The next word is now, and that always means there's a turn in the story. Standing there were six stone water jars, not seven jars. The biblical number of perfection or completion. Six, imperfect, incomplete, there are no coincidences in the Bible. There's no, oh, isn't that interesting? Oh, it's interesting, all right, and it's very intentional. This isn't going to be finished until Jesus does something to those jars. And their stone, instead of baked clay, baked clay would have absorbed things from the water, including impurities. The stone jars were better for what they needed these. And by the way, they're big. Oh, they're big. They stood on the floor. A standing jar, right off the bat, is telling you this thing is pretty tall. Six very large water pots for the Jewish rites of purification. So they weren't designed to hold wine, just water. Water used to purify for Jewish ceremonial washings. They did that before meals, before they went into the temple. Several times that ritual was performed. So they kept these jars handy. Each holding 20 or 30 gallons Big jars. Just to help you get a number around this, if there's 30 gallons in a jar and there are six jars, <laughs> that's 900 bottles of wine. It's so much wine. I don't care what derby party you went to yesterday, they did not have 900 bottles of wine. They just didn't. They sure didn't. It's a lot of wine, even for a big party like this. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Aww. So he's honoring his mother after all. Oh, I like that. Of course, it was one of his own commandments, right? Honor thy mother, so, you know, let's see it, buddy. Live it out. And he did. Fill the jars with water. Now, this would have taken a minute because these are big jars, a lot of water, and there's no tap in the house. They've got to go out to the well and bring the water back and go out to the well and bring the, even with a lot of servants. There was a certain amount of time involved here. I would love to know what the convo was among Jesus and his mother and the disciples while that was happening. What's interesting to me is the servants asked no questions. They did exactly that. And they filled it up to the brim to the very top, the highest part, ready to spill over, right there, hanging on. Now, I don't know why they got that enthusiastic, but I have a theory. Because then, if indeed this water was going to turn into wine, they could see it. They could watch it happen. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. Dip that wine goblet in there and take it over to the chief steward. So they, they took it, they carried it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine, oh, just like that, wait a minute, did you hear like an abracadabra or any kind of calling down or, no, it just happened. When? And exactly how? We, we don't know. We just know that it happened. See, that's the way it is with miracles. Only God really knows 
and he asks us to trust him. And that's hard because we want to know exactly how did that happen. In fact, we spend a lot of energy looking at the miracles of the Bible and trying to make them make sense scientifically, realistically, and they're miracles, friends. Sometimes they're just miraculous. The steward did not know where it came from. Well, somebody knew, because the next part of the verse is either in parentheses or in some of your translations, it'll have a dash. Though the servants knew who had drawn the water, they knew. It's just so like Jesus to me. That he would make sure the least of these, the servants, would be the ones to see the miracle. The steward didn't see, the servants saw. Now, Mary indeed did nudge her son in this direction, but we can be sure of this. Jesus would never have done his mother's will if it were not also his father's will. So the steward called the bridegroom, called the bridegroom. You know this Greek word. I know you're thinking it's all Greek to me. You know this Greek word. It's phoneo, phone, right? Like your cell phoneo. You know, it's a, they called. And the steward said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. Um, I was hoping it didn't really mean drunk, that it just meant later in, no, it actually means inebriated. But this wine steward is a little concerned. You have kept the good wine until now. Was he elated or exasperated? Again, we need the audio Bible, but you have kept the best to last. The fact is the chief steward is in the dark. He is clueless how this happened. But Mary knew because she got the ball rolling and the servants knew because they helped. And the disciples knew because they were witnesses. And now we know that the son of God and the son of Mary has moved into a new realm in his ministry. New wine for new wineskins. He's not just a teacher now. He's a miracle worker. So now our camera pulls back. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee. This was his first miracle, the first of his wonder works. And he revealed his glory. He demonstrated his power. He showed his divine greatness. And his disciples believed in him. Now, he just had gathered up the first of his disciples. It was time for them to see what this guy could do so they could put their trust in him rely on him. One translation says their faith blossomed. And this, friends, is the whole point of of a miracle in the Bible. It's not so everybody will say, yay, Jesus, you're amazing. It's so that people will see who he is, believe who he is. Sometimes it will say, and they believe in his name. His name is Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. He's going to save his people. And they believe that. Well, there is nothing more miraculous, I don't think, than a life transformed. My mother's death happened when I was 23. As a matter of fact, the last day I saw her alive, four days before she died, was Mother's Day. So for at least a decade, Mother's Day was a very hard day for me. And her death shook me to the core, of course. It would at any age, but especially at 23 because I was in the depths of my bad girl years. Bad, 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 out in the far country, all the stuff. 
And then I lost my mother. And suddenly I started asking hard questions, big questions, spiritual formation kind of questions like, um, where is she? My mother was a woman of faith. And so I was told she would be in heaven. And I was pretty sure I would not be. But God is good and God is faithful. And so it took four long years, but I finally met the God of my mother. And when the men sang, amazingly, amazing grace today, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And so I'd encourage you to ask the Lord today, how can you honor your earthly mother, whether she's alive or not, you can honor her today. And how can you honor your heavenly father by moving into a deeper relationship with him? Because, friends, that's why we gather we don't gather to hear great music, though it is amazing. We don't gather to gaze at the stained glass as beautiful as it is. We gather to worship, and we gather to grow. And so as I pray, I'm asking God to show you how to make this Mother's Day also a blessing for your Heavenly Father. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word, full of stories about you, who you are and what you do, what you continue to do, because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are still about turning water, tasteless water, into delicious wine, dead water into living water. People who are dead in their sins can come alive in you. Show us how, Lord. Help us be brave and take that step. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. And with that, we've come to the end of a very unique presentation from author Liz Curtis Higgs on Focus on the Family as we head into Mother's Day this weekend. Wow, John, that was fascinating. And I feel like I witnessed Jesus' first miracle. And as Liz said, the purpose of miracles in the New Testament was to allow people to see who Jesus was and believe in him. And I love the fact that this first miracle of our Lord was at a wedding. I'm sure that's symbolic and that it was witnessed by just the servants and the disciples. They would have had the lowest social status of anyone attending. Isn't that just like uh, Jesus to do that? The creator of the universe who was born in a stable and raised as a carpenter's son, who, by the way, really loved his mother. What a wonderful perspective as we head into Mother's Day. And if you enjoy how Liz uh, brings scripture to life, you can learn more about three women who had life-changing encounters with Jesus in her book called The Women of Easter. In it, Liz profiles three Marys, Mary the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and Mary the sister of Lazarus. Ask about it when you get in touch, and please donate to support the work we do here at Focus on the Family Canada. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. Or you can donate online and request that book by Liz, The Women of Easter, at focusonthefamily.ca. 
When you get in touch, be sure to ask about how to get a CD of today's entire presentation. Well, have a great weekend, and I hope you'll take the time to honor a mom in your life on Sunday. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back on Monday as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.